The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So today we are in the second part of our series called Number Your Days, and we are talking about the subject of time. And if you were with us last weekend as we began this series, we began with what can be a, a little bit of a disturbing truth, which is that all of us, all of us actually have a, a limited number of days. And because of that, the challenge is for us to not simply ask the question, you know, what time is it, but rather to ask a different question. Uh, the question is, what am I doing with my time? What am I personally doing with my time? And we also looked at a psalm, a psalm that was actually written by Moses, and in this psalm, Moses actually tells us something that is, it could very easily become, and I hope it does actually become, a personal prayer for all of us because he says in verse number 12, he says, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. And the reason why that idea is so important is because whenever it is that we, ha- we think that we have more of something than we need, we always end up tending to waste it. That's just something that we do. That is human nature. That's just something that all of us do. And because of that, it's very easy for us to just kind of pick up our feet and go with the flow. Go with the flow of culture. Go with the flow of the world around us. Go with the flow many times of the people around us. And often what we find is that when that happens, the place that we end up is not really the place that we actually want to be. And so because of that, God actually says to us, For us, he tells us to ask him, teach me, show me how to number my days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And then we also looked at a verse from the book of Ephesians. It's a verse that has huge implications for us, and it says this, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, understand what the Lord's will is. And we said the reason why that verse has such huge implications for us is because really what it's saying to us is that everything that has to do with our time is in fact a spiritual issue. Because our time, it comes from God, that means that God has given it to us for a purpose. And because our God actually specializes in redemption, there is no amount of time that is lost. There is no life. There is no situation. There is no circumstance that cannot be redeemed by Jesus. Because after all, if he has redeemed me, and if he's redeemed you, then there is nothing, there is no one who cannot be redeemed by him. And so today, we're going to talk about another idea that we find in both the Old Testament and the New Testament as it relates to our time. And perhaps what you did not know uh, is that this is an idea that's found all throughout the Scriptures, and it might be something that is very familiar to you, but maybe what you didn't know is that this actually, this idea, it actually is found in the Scriptures themselves. And so what I thought would be the best way for us to actually talk about this idea today is first for you to see this illustrated, and then we're going to open up together the Scriptures that actually speak of this. And you may have seen this before, but this jar... It represents our time. It could be a day, it could be a week, it could be a month, it could be a year, it could be a season of life. It could be your entire life, but it represents your time. And the pebbles 
that are actually in this jar, they represent what it is that consumes your time each day. Now, for some of you here today, about half of the pebbles in this jar, they represent things like Instagram and Facebook, right, and, and, and YouTube, and maybe if you're like me, eBay. They represent things like Netflix. They represent shopping. They, they represent things, that, activities that you like to do. They represent just hanging out. And I'm not saying that these things are bad. That's not at all what I'm saying. If this was simply a discussion about good and bad, right and wrong, then this would actually be very, very easy. That's not at all the case. In fact, these are the things that most of us would see, say that we probably really enjoy doing. We enjoy doing, but, and this is key, all of us at the same time, we would say these are really not the things that are most critical to our lives. These are just things that we do. These are just the things that consume our time. And then on top of that, we have to actually add all those things that really truly are critical in our lives. So that means that if you're married, it means that you know, your spouse has to, has to get in here, right? If you're in school, um, you know, you've got to get, you got to get time to, to study in here. You've got to get, you have to get work in here somehow. If you've got kids or grandkids, they, they've certainly got to be a part of this. If you are someone who says that they believe in God, and especially if you're someone who would call themselves a follower of Jesus, then, then there has to be time for Jesus. He's got to get in the jar somehow, right? There's got to be time to worship. There's, there's got to be time with your small group for your friends. Maybe right there. And... There has to be time to relax. I mean, there does really have to be time in your life to do the things that you enjoy. There's got to be time for your health. There's got to be time for exercise. There's got to be all, all of that somehow has to get into the jar. And, and for many of us, when we look at that and we see that, we think to ourselves, you know, that really is a great picture of how it is that our lives feel, isn't it? I mean, there's just not enough time in the day. There's just not enough days in the week or, or months in the year. I mean, and the point, I think, is pretty obvious. I mean, the solution to the problem is not by, by cramming more and more things into the jar each day, is it? No. See, the solution actually comes in determining priority. It's taking those things that are most important and actually putting those into the jar first. And, and, and it's actually, when we take those things that we say, these are the things that are most important, most critical to our lives, when those things go into the, the jar first, when they go into our lives first, they determine the direction and ultimately the destination and the course that each one of our lives takes. And if you've never seen this before, I mean, this is pretty incredible. It all just kind of goes in the jar. It is the most important things that go into the jar first that ultimately determine the direction and the course of every single one of our lives. Now, the truth is, that's probably not new to any of us, is it? I mean, that idea, you, you've probably seen that or heard that or thought of that at some point before. 
But see, the question for us is, and the question I want us to actually think about and talk about today, together today, is so, so why don't we actually do that? Why don't we actually take those things that are most critical to us, why do they not go into the jar first? And see, if we're honest, for, for many of us, part of the answer to that question is simply dealing with the fact that, that many of us, maybe we've never actually stopped and taken the time to ask ourselves the question, what's really most important to me? I mean, what really are the priorities of my life? What are the things that at this season of life or this stage of life or this stage of parenting that I'm in right now, what are the things that when that is over, I don't want to have those things left outside of the jar. I don't want those things to be the things that I'm trying to somehow cram and fit in. And then along with that is asking the question of who. Who is really most important to me? And see, answering those two questions for all of us is incredibly important because every single one of us, we actually live in a world and we live in a culture that baits us every single day to, to choose things or make things priorities that we have never actually chosen as priorities for ourselves. And, and the truth that every single one of us has experienced in some way or another is that busyness, busyness always destroys intimacy. Busy, relationship at every single level, it is destroyed by busyness. That constant sense of rush, 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 go, 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 that always destroys relationship. And it destroys intimacy in every relationship that we have. And because the truth is that our culture is absolutely obsessed with these things, these little things, and because we never, ever, ever are told to think about these things, oftentimes it's this little stuff that gets all of our focus and all of our attention. Again, this is probably not new information for any of us. Obviously, prioritizing is the key, right? But see, for those of us who would actually say that we are, are, are people who believe in God, and especially those of us who say that we actually uh, are, are followers of Jesus, those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, there is another part to this that is absolutely essential for us to remember. Because in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are told very explicitly to put God in the jar first. That there is a God rock that is to be our first and our ultimate priority. And the promise of both the Old and the New Testament is that when God is first, he actually impacts, he actually impacts the priority of everything else that goes into the jar. And see, the truth is that is exactly what you would expect from a God who loves you, isn't it? I mean, if there really is a God who loves you, wouldn't you expect that he would want to say something to you about what it is that should go into the jar first? I mean, if there really is a God who loves you and who cares about you, wouldn't you expect that he would want to tell you about how to prioritize things in your life, what really is most important, what our priorities really should be? In fact, this is what Scripture actually says. This is what God himself says to us about who he is in the Scriptures. The prophet Isaiah tells us this in Isaiah 46. He says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. See, God tells us that he alone is the one 
who tells us how things are going to end up because he alone is the one who knows how the end is going to come. And see, I don't know about you, but when it actually comes to the idea of numbering my days, I mean, that's something I want to know more about. And when we open up the scriptures and we want to read about this idea of prioritizing or making priorities or or choosing a priority, we don't We don't find the word priority in the scriptures. Instead, what we do find, however, is the word seek. The word seek, it is the biblical equivalent of the word prioritize. And in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are told to seek, to seek earnestly, and to seek first. This is the way that God is actually telling us through the scriptures that he is to be our first priority, that that he is to be the thing that goes into our lives first. That God is our first and our ultimate priority, the largest rock, and the first rock that goes into every single one of our lives. Now, David actually says it this way through the Psalms. He says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I seek you with all of my heart. Now, you can only actually seek one thing with all of your heart, right? I seek you with all of my heart, David says. Do not let me stray from your commands. And if we take these two ideas that David is communicating to us in the Psalms, and if we put them together, again, once again, what we have is a prayer that every single one of us could pray. In fact, again, I think it's a prayer that would be great for all of us to pray each day, which is, God, help me to seek you with all of my heart so that you may be the priority of my life. God, I actually want you to be the priority of my life because, God, you then are going to be the one who is guiding the decisions that are made about what else goes into my life. Now, ultimately, probably one of the most familiar and the most, most uh, common ways that we're used to thinking about this idea is actually found in some, Jesus, some of Jesus' own words to each one of us in Matthew chapter 6. Take out your Bibles, open them up. If you're using one of the Bibles in the seat back in front of you, it's on page 1,505. And these words certainly are very, very familiar to many of us. And the reason why they are so familiar is because they are so absolutely central to what it actually means to become a follower of Jesus. Jesus says this to us, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. He says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Now, every single one of those things are certainly rocks that need to get put into the jar, right? And the truth is that together, those are some of the bigger rocks for every single one of us in the course of our lives. And Jesus never says that those things aren't important. Notice that. Jesus never says those things don't matter. He doesn't say that. But what he does say is that we are not to obsess over those things. Those are not the things, Jesus says, that should go into the jar first. Verse 32, for the pagans... Now, you and I, we hear that word pagans, and immediately that sounds pretty derogatory to us, but that's not how Jesus intended that word to be heard. And many times we actually use this word incorrectly. See, a pagan was not a person who did not believe in God. That's not what a pagan was. A pagan was a person instead who actually believed in the wrong gods. A pagan was a person who who worshipped gods like Jupiter and, and Zeus. And see, those gods, they did not care at all about people. In fact, many times worshiping those gods meant actually inflicting harm on yourself 
or possibly even sacrificing another human being to them. And see, Jesus says, listen, listen, the pagans, they run after or seek all these things. But Jesus says, listen, that's not who you are. Because see, you, you have a heavenly Father who loves you, Jesus says. You actually have a heavenly Father who cares about you. And then in this next part of this verse, this is where the tension kind of builds for us, isn't it? I mean, this is the tension that we feel every single time as a parent. We think to ourselves, okay, what's going to happen if I don't get my kids involved in this? I mean, what's going to happen if I don't actually go to all these activities? What's going to happen if we don't actually do all these things? This is what we worry about at work. If we're not there all the time, if we don't do everything that, that everybody wants us to do, this is where we worry. This is where the tension builds. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. And see, here's what I want us to all think about, especially all of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus. I mean, do you really believe? And I know you're going to say yes because you're in church on Memorial Day weekend. But beyond the fact that you're actually here right now, do you really believe that you have a heavenly Father who knows what you need? Or are we, am I, living like a pagan? Meaning, am I living as if I do not have a heavenly Father who actually cares about me? Like it's all up to us. See, I think this is the tension for all of us whether we call ourselves Christians or not. Do we really believe that we have a Heavenly Father who cares and who knows about what it is that we need? I mean, think about all those things that you try to cram into your day, all into your month, into your year, into your se- this season of life. Think about all those things that you worry about each day. Do you really believe that you have a Heavenly Father who knows exactly what you need. Do you really believe that you know that you have a Heavenly Father who knows? That you really want to see your kids live up to the potential that as a parent you know that they have? Do you really believe that you have a Heavenly Father who knows how difficult and how competitive it is to actually get into a good school these days? Do you really believe that you have a Heavenly Father who knows the pressures that you face at work? the pressures that you have in your family? Do you really believe that you have a Heavenly Father who knows what it takes to eat and live indoors in our world today? Do you really believe that you have a Heavenly Father who knows that you're single and that you want to be married someday? And you're afraid that if you don't drive this or you don't do that or you don't go there, if you don't look a certain way, then nobody's ever going to take you out. And nobody's going to ever ask you out. I mean, do you really believe that you have a Heavenly Father who knows all of that? Because, see, I think, we, I think this is where we struggle. I think this is where I struggle. I don't know about you. Because if we really believe that God is God and that God is God who loves us, and God is God who loves us and who knows what we need, then why in the world would we not put him into the jar 
first. Why would he not be our first priority? And I think this is where we struggle as Christians. And and, and when it comes to providing for ourselves and for our families, and we ask ourselves, you know, is it really all up to me? Or is there a Heavenly Father up there who does truly know what I need? And this is the key. And who is actually willing to intervene in your life somehow, either with you or for you, but that he's actually willing to intervene on your behalf. Do we really believe that? See, Jesus knows the truth. Jesus knows that every single one of us, that we struggle with this. He knows how much we struggle with this. And because that is true, because that is what you have, because that is what we have, that we do actually have a Heavenly Father who does know and who cares for us, Jesus, notice in the next verse, he draws the logical conclusion. Because that's all true, Jesus says, seek first. In other words, when it comes to your day, your week, your month, or your year, or the season of life, or when it comes to life in general, Jesus says this, but seek first, or make first priority, Jesus is saying, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then again, listen to the the promise that comes after this. These may be familiar words to you, or they might be brand new. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, they will be given to you as well. All those things that we know need to fit. All those things that we have to have to live. All those things that each one of us knows are important and somehow need to be a part of of our lives. Now, here's what this text means. Here's how you actually apply this into our discussion today about the subject of time. When it comes to the minutes of your day or the days of your week or the months of your year, the season of life that you are in right now, something or someone is going to determine the limits that you actually live by. Because the truth is, you have limits. Your days and my days, they really are numbered. And so we are either going to allow culture or fear to push us to the limit of our limits, or we are going to learn to trust that what Jesus actually says to us is true. That we really do, in fact, have a Heavenly Father who loves us and who really does know what every single one of us, what it is that we need. That I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live every day of my life asking the question, what if, all the time. That I'm going to actually trust that my Heavenly Father cares and my Heavenly Father knows what I personally, what you individually and personally, what each one of you, what you need. And I think one of the easiest ways for all of us to kind of make this practical and applicable into every single one of our lives is simply by doing this, simply by giving God the first few moments of our day. 
And see, in doing that, it's like saying to God, God, okay, today you are my first priority. God, today I am putting you in the jar first. God, I'm giving you the first few moments of my day today because I am recognizing, God, that this day it actually comes from you. And so, God, I I am making you first. And for me, what I've discovered, and I'm sure a number of you, you could raise your hands and say you've discovered the same thing, but on those days where I actually do intentionally put God first in my day, what I've discovered is that it's on those days when I make God the first priority of my day that it's far easier for me to actually say no to those other things that would distract me from what I know is most important on that day. And at the same time, it's also far easier for me to actually say yes to those interruptions that I know I need to say yes to. Even when it means not getting everything crossed off of my personal to-do list. And when I, I say yes to God at the beginning of my day, either by praying or reading a scripture or or listening to a worship song or whatever it is that you choose or whatever it is that you want to try to incorporate into your routine and into your day. See, it is far easier for me on those days not to worry about all those things that do not fit into my jar on that day. Because I can actually live with the sense of knowing that, God, this day it belongs to you. And you knew the interruptions that were going to come And God, you could actually handle them, even if I, even if I can't. Now, Martin Luther actually very famously, he said this. He said, pray and let God worry. You pray, he said, and you let God worry. And if you don't know the context of this quote, Martin Luther used to say that it was on the days that he had the most to do, on the days that he was busiest, that he would actually get up earlier. And on those days in particular, he would actually devote the most time to God in prayer because that's how he knew that as he moved through the worries of that day, that it was actually his heavenly Father who was guiding him through them. And for some of you, You know that if this is actually a habit that you want to develop in your day, then you know the only way that this is going to happen is if this is the very first thing that you do before your feet ever even get out of the bed. Because otherwise your day is off and running and and you won't get the chance to do it later on. And if you happen to be a person who sleeps with their cell phone next to you every night, then instead of checking your email or checking social media, just set up your Bible app to actually read a Bible verse in the beginning of your day. Or if you are someone like me and you need to get a shower and a cup of coffee because nothing good is going to happen until that happens, then the point is you just set up, you develop whatever routine, whatever habit based around your personality, how your day flows, you do whatever it is you need to do to make this a part of your day. And see, for me, this is something that I've been doing for a a long time in my life personally. And for me now, what this looks like is much more of an ongoing conversation with my Heavenly Father throughout the day. And then at the end of my day, I actually unpack with him the events of my day, much like I would with Autumn or with a, a trusted friend. And in the same way, it's also become, since Joe and Nathan have become older and gotten older, this is how we pray together as a family. So they actually hear me when we come together at night as a family, and on those, when we get together at night, not every night, but when we get together and we pray as a family, they actually hear me thank God for how he's provided for me during the course of my day. They hear me ask God for help 
with those things that I need help with, and they hear me confess my sin to God for those things that I actually need to confess my sin about. And they hear me ask God for forgiveness that day. And that's just kind of a picture of what this looks like in my family and in my routine. And I'm not saying that you need to do what I do. I mean, if you're sitting there today and you're saying to yourself, well, you know, there's no way. I mean, I get it. I totally get it. I understand that. And I'm not saying that you need to do what I do. I'm just saying this is something that you need to think about. This is something that you need to, to consider because before you just discard all this and discount all this, here's, here's what I know about you. See, the, the truth is you are seeking something first. Now, you may not know it, but, but you are. And I'll tell you, in fact, how to find out. Because, see, those people that are closest to you, the person that you live with or that you're married to, the person that you spend the most time with, they know what it is that you are seeking first. So just ask them. I mean, ask them and they'll tell you. And see, I'll tell you how they know. See, they know because they listen to the questions that you ask. And we tend to ask a lot of questions about the things that are most important to us. They know because they, they, they hear what it is that you're worried about. Because we tend to worry about those things that are most important to us. They hear what it is that you talk about all the time. Because again, we tend to talk about those things the most that are most important to us. And they know what it is that we spend our money on. Because we tend to spend our money on those things that are most important to us. See, you are seeking something first. And you know what? I'm not saying that any of that is bad, because the truth is it probably isn't. It probably is all very good, very exciting stuff, and it's probably all stuff that you should seek. Just don't seek it first, because that's not who you are. Because who you are is someone who's actually loved by the God of the universe. Who you are is someone that Jesus actually died for. Who, who you are is someone who has who actually has a heavenly father. And so, of course, of course, he is going to take care of you. That's who you are. And so you want to seek him first. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I know, and and we all know, that outside the walls of this place, there are all kinds of worries of life. There are bills, there are unanswered prayers, there are pressures, there's marriage issues and family issues and kid issues and health issues. And Father, all of those issues and worries, they are just waiting outside of those doors and those walls for every single one of us. And so because of that, Father, I pray for a few very specific things for all of us today, me included. First, that we would be reminded that you know about all of these things and that you would actually give to us the faith that we need to believe that you can be trusted with them as well. And because you are our Heavenly Father and because you really do care for each of us, that you would remind us that you really are. You are with us every day in the worries that we face And so, Father, we ask that you'd give to us what only you have to give, the faith that we need to put those worries in your hands today. And, Father, again, as I prayed last week, I pray for us this week that your Holy Spirit would allow each one of us to hear 
what it is that you individually want us to hear and that you would also give us the wisdom as well as the courage to know what it is that you want us to do and how it is you want us to apply this to our lives today. And Father, for those of us who do not have that routine or that habit of spending time with you each day, I pray that you'd help us to actually set aside that time, just a few minutes each day, and develop that habit of of seeking you first. Because, Father, you are the author and the creator and the giver of life. You are the God who loves us and who has redeemed us. And, God, you are the one who has given to us the gift of life each day. And so, Father, help us. Help us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. All this we pray in Jesus' name.